0: We'll <laughs> 100th time in our lives for the first time in too damn long it is numbers on the boards my name is bobby corella joining me today the man the myth the legend one of my favorite people in the world jeff skin wait skin welcome
1: back (laughs) hello everybody i'm back Woo! hell yeah dude dude blow me up dog that's right (sighs) so good to see you it's so good to see you it's good to be here 41? Presented by Chime. Ah, shout out to Chime. But man, you guys have done amazing work with this place.
0: Oh yeah, it's all Chopper. I didn't do any of this. Chopper's the man. Yeah, yeah, I didn't do any of this. So if you're listening to us, you can see this on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, you can obviously get it on iTunes, Spotify, wherever. This is the first episode of Numbers on the Boards I think we did since, gosh, maybe the even before the regular season, sometime around preseason. Obviously, you had a whole lot of stuff going on in your real life. It's way more important than basketball. But you're back, dude. You're on the broadcast. You're doing radio again. Like, it's just, it is awesome to just see you rocking it again.
1: Normal life is uh, creeping back for me slowly but surely. And uh, it, it's, it was so cool the support. I, I feel like I have two families. Well, I have three families, so I have my real family, but I have work families. I have this Benin Skin, KT, Christina, iHeart, you know, radio family. And dude, they've been holding it down. They were holding it down big so well. time. And they're amazing. And then I have this Maverick family, you know, with Harp and Falwell and you and Chopper and Machine and, and, and Cuban and all these amazing people. And I got so much support uh, from both families. It uh, it was really, really incredible. It's a uh, surreal experience. I wouldn't recommend it, uh, but there were a lot of things that I took out of it, uh, perspective and life things that are just I feel really, it's weird to say, I feel fortunate uh, that I had cancer, but I, it's not that. But I, I feel fortunate about the things that I learned through all of that and the support and love that I got. It's just, uh, it's an amazing feeling to have so many people, you know, reach out to you and make you feel good. And you and, you and Chopper and the Mavericks are all a big part of that. Well yeah, so.
0: well, I don't want to delve too far into it unless you want to. But of course, uh, for those who are listening, for those who are watching that don't know, um, you are pretty much just good to go, right? I mean, like yeah. your, your treatment is over; like you're kind of back to to normal.
1: Today is uh, five weeks removed from my last radiation treatment, and the radiation, because of where you know it's all in the lymph nodes and up the back, and because of that, it you know it's it's impacting a delicate area. So, and then it continues to work even afterwards. So, uh, it'll probably still be working inside me for another three, four, five weeks mm. still. And then my saliva glands are blown out, and that's why I'll be sipping a lot of water as we go. My taste buds are coming back. I had a piece of pizza last night, which felt like a landmark moment. What was on it? It was just cheese. Just cheese? And it was my son just threw a frozen pizza in the oven. It wasn't like we ordered anything. But it was just like delivery. Uh, Yeah, hey, and I I ate it, and it was great. So uh, slowly but surely getting all that back. And then, uh, you know, they keep talking about, well, you'll eventually know what your new normal is uh and when you go through something like this you know at least my uh, approach is to prepare myself for the worst possible outcomes and then deal with them accordingly and everything that i had prepared for i've been lucky enough to exceed that on on the positive end like the lowest moments weren't as bad as i'd prepared myself for them to be uh they sucked i mean um, but uh, i got through it and my wife was just extraordinary through all of this um so, I feel like uh, I'm healing the right way, and I feel like I'm ahead of schedule, and I'm gonna get scans here in five or six weeks, and the doctors are optimistic that they're going to show them what they want to see. And if that happens, then I have a ninety plus percentile chance that it never comes back. Those are pretty That's good great. odds. That's great. So, uh, so yeah, man, i feel uh, I feel good to be where I'm at right now. I feel like I'm ahead of whatever schedule I set for myself. and I speak for everybody when I say, Right on, dude. Right on. Right on. I, it's so funny, like, when I was, you know, and I told you guys very early on what I was dealing with, and I, I knew I was going to be away from everything for a while because I, I didn't know if I was going to be talking or, you know, it's just hard to know. Uh, but I'd set this goal for myself of I hope to be back for the playoffs. And then when we got into the dog days of it, I was like, there is no way in hell I'm going to be back for the playoffs. It's not going to happen. And then about – a week to 10 days before the playoffs, I was like, man, I think it's possible. I really do think I can make it back. And then each day got a little better. And game one against the Utah Jazz, I was in the building again. And it felt really good. Yeah, so yeah. dude, right on time. Came in clutch like always.
0: Hey. The great Jeff Skinwade. Well, the, the mediocre Jeff Skinwade came through clutch. No, the, clutch. the great Just Jeff like, Wade. Come, like Come on. Come well, on, dude. Well, well, well. The ass-kicking Jeff Skinway. Um Okay, so speaking of playoffs, dude, let's talk some basketball. Yeah. The last two, three weeks, absolute roller coaster. Like, Mm -hmm. going into game one, is Luka going to play at all? And then, you know, they lose, and then Jalen Brunson becomes a Super Saiyan, and then Luka returns, and they lose, and then they close it out. And now here we are a week after that, down 2-0 against the Suns. There's been good. There's been bad. There's been despair. There's been hope right now, probably tilting a little more in the sad direction because Mm -hmm. Phoenix took care of uh, Dallas pretty good in the first two games in Phoenix. But just overall – um, great to see the Mavs back in the playoffs mm-hmm. great to see them win a first round series. So before we talk about what's gone wrong against Phoenix, just generally, you know, th- not to like raise a banner or moral victories or anything, but they kind of did what they wanted to do. Like sure. in October, we were talking about home court, mm-hmm. win a first round series. Yeah. And they managed to do that. And that's without Luca for half of that series, which is pretty amazing. So uh job well done to the lads. And just, you know, what, what was it like for you to watch them win their first series in more than a decade?
1: It, uh, you know, it's it was more surreal than anything because it was just astonishing that they hadn't won a playoff series since they won a championship. And then you start going, God, that's how long a decade feels, huh? Because it it it's a <laughs> long time, but it doesn't really, it didn't feel like what, if someone were to say, this hadn't happened in a decade. I'm like, well, that's an eternity. And it didn't really feel like it had been that long, like a whole decade. Yeah, it's been a whole decade. Um Utah was obviously a very favorable matchup because of the things that they were going through. And even without knowing when Luka was going to come back, I still felt like he's going to come back at some point and he's gonna, we're going to win this series. And then when they pl- did what they did in game two, I was like, man, we might win this thing in five. Uh, and then game three is like, oh, my God, we are in their head. So I probably got irrationally confident after game three. And then you know Luca had to work his way back in, and there has to be adjustments and those things. But they made those adjustments, and boom, boom. In fact, uh, the final three minutes of Game Six was excruciating because we played terrible. Like there was, and I think Luca was gassed. Yeah, Uh, played the entire second half. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, You're right. And I think you know Jay Kidd and them were trying to figure out how do we utilize him. You know, how do we change the sub the uh, you know substitution patterns to fit him. But they weathered the storm because, quite frankly, Utah was just sort of inept at by the end of that series. Mm-hmm. You know, they they played way below their talent abilities, and they have things that they've got to they've got to flesh out. We all know that. But the Mavericks took advantage of it. Uh, my favorite thing about the first round, and I know there's a lot of talk about Jalen Brunson, and there should be, uh, and he's a big free agent this summer, and there's going to be so much talk about that. But my favorite player for the Mavericks in the first round was Dorian Finney-Smith, and I think it's just, you know, they gave him that extension, the most they could give him, uh, or close to it, it was close to it, Um, midseason. And when you do that, you want the guy to continue to be who you think he is, and he, you know, for him to have 18 points in an elimination game on the road in the playoffs, Dorian Finney-Smith is that dude. And they're never going to ask him to do more than what they're asking him to do right now. I think they, they know what he is, and they ask him. But he delivers that all the time. And he is about as consistent a player as they have. And that his job is crucially important. And he's just a like uh, some of the shots that he hit in Game 1 uh, against Phoenix. Those were some really big shots mm-hmm. down the stretch. Um, so uh, uh I, I think that oh, – I'm sorry, I meant uh, – I'm, get, I'm getting the games confused. Game six uh, against Utah. Those are some really big shots that he hit. So th- he was my favorite player to, you know, root for or, you know, analyze in that first round because of everything he did for the team. I think it proved that he is exactly – who they thought he was, and that giving him the extension was the exact right thing to do.
0: When he is that guy, so like 18 points in game six, Mm -hmm. ties this playoff career high, which matches, I believe, what he scored in game seven last year against the Clippers. Mm -hmm. Like his career in elimination games, he's shooting 50%, scoring 15-plus in all of those games. That even goes back to the bubble. Like the dude is not afraid of anybody, you know. And without Luka, you need guys that are going to be that way. Now the challenge is, as we kind of skip ahead to Phoenix a little bit, is how do you maintain that same level of fearlessness and that same level of confidence and you know self confidence, collective confidence, with or without your best player, against a team now that's a lot better than you, mm-hmm. you know, and best team in the league. Yeah, the best team in we the league. We agree by on far, that, right? By far, yeah, okay, by far, easily. I now, figured
1: you would think the same, but yeah. I was thinking about that earlier. Like, I'm sure Bobby thinks the same. They're the best team in the league. I mean, if Kawhi and Paul George were healthy, then maybe, right? But as it is
0: right now, Phoenix is the best team in the NBA mm-hmm. by a very, very wide margin. I think. Uh, especially with Middleton out for the Bucks, and so you know part of the reason why you want to have a good regular season and why you want to get home court is because it increases your chances of playing a team like Utah who is very good but is not as good as you mm-hmm. and who has clear flaws there's a reason they weren't a top four seed right, right. uh it just so happens that when you finish fourth place it means you got to play the best team in round two and Phoenix is very good and uh you know, we've seen the Mavs two years in a row play the Clippers, and it's very clear that the Clippers were better than the Mavs. Kawhi and Paul mm-hmm. George are unstoppable. It looks through two games very clear that Chris Paul and Devin Booker are really dang good, and DeAndre Ayton, even without him, they were winning, but whenever, whenever he was in the game, he looked every bit of the dominant force that he was billed to be. Number one pick. Yeah, and Mikhail Bridges mm-hmm. is really stinking good too. And Luke has given him the business, but yep. Mikael's gotten his too. Uh, and, and he's made an impact on offense as well. He's not just a defender. Really, really good player. And so, you know, you have this revelry after beating Utah, and then it's like, oh, okay, now we got to play those guys. And it was going to happen one, one way or another. You were going to run into Phoenix, even if you finished third and played Memphis, or if somehow Golden State leapt Memphis and you played Golden State in the 2-3 or whatever. Like, you were going to have to beat Phoenix to go to the finals. Right. just so happens that you're going to have to play Phoenix in round two instead of in the conference finals. Like, you maybe would have if you would have finished third and played Memphis – That's all hypotheticals at this point, but the reality is Phoenix is really stinking good, and Dallas is running out of time to find solutions to these problems, uh, of which there are many, Mm -hmm. but to you and your basketball brain right now, what is like the number one... If you could wave a
1: magic wand and fix this thing, it would be... Defense. Uh, I I think they played... Now, there are stretches in Game 2 where I think they were better defensively than they were in Game 1, but the sort of... And it's not just individual defense. Maxie hit, hinted on it uh, you know, after game one. It's communication. Like the best example I can give you is how game one started. The first play of the game, uh, Phoenix runs their Spain pick-and-roll, stack pick-and-roll stuff. And that's one of those deals where you're bringing more people into the lane. You have to talk. So a lot of people will be like, well, why would you want to do that on offense? Well, it's because you confuse the, de- the, the defense – because of all the action, and if you have someone like Chris Paul, he's going to pick the problems apart. If you go back and watch that, and I'm not taking shots at Dwight Powell, Dwight Powell is sort of on an island, and he's almost looking around like, uh, and Chris Paul's like, oh, a 15-footer? Cool. I'm going to make the Hall of Fame because of this shot. Wide open. Mm -hmm. Like, we're shredded. Then we go down and run the same play. We're running the same play that we were just confused defending all right, and we of course get a turnover because Phoenix defends it perfectly, and 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 but that 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 problem is communication, and so uh, that was a problem in game one. I think their efforts defensively in game two were really good, especially in the second quarter. That stands out where their defense came alive. Davis Bertans and Maxi Kleba were good defensively at the end of the first quarter, right? Mm. So there there there, but it's, it hasn't been consistent. And I know there's been a lot of talk today about you know Phoenix picking Luca apart. Which, all, to me, I'm trying to be philosophical about this and uh, eliminate the emotion of it. Because emotionally, man, that sucks. We got our ass kicked in the fourth quarter. That's humiliating. They're talking to our bench. Don't let campaign talk. Like, what's happening right now? Yeah. So the, that's the emotion side of it. The philosophical side of it is, I didn't see this Maverick team as a championship. We're going to the finals team yet. They're working towards it. And you have to go through these things. Phoenix is bona fide, and they are picking you apart. And I think that everyone goes through these things, the the learning things. And I really like that Luca knows that they headhunted him last night,
0: because he's very smart. And they were very open about doing it too, which yeah. should give him a little fire. Yeah. You know, if it's and, July, August, and the Mavs haven't just won the championship, he's gonna be able to click over
1: and see Devin Booker like holding back laughter when being asked about it. Yeah. And he and he's but he's got to go through that. And uh, and so th- before people start going, well, that's you're insulting. Luca. no, I'm not. Uh, Cleveland won a championship because they hunted Steph Curry on that final play, and Kyrie Irving. Good, I like this matchup. I'll get the a matchup in round shot.
0: two because they were hunting Donovan Mitchell. Like, absolutely, this, this is what happened. You're only as good as your weakest link in the playoffs. Yeah, and defensively,
1: Luca has struggled with those guys, and I, that's
0: I, totally okay because they've struggled against Luca too.
1: Absolutely, you know? that's part of it. I thought in Game One, Luca could have done a much better job tagging DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. He, you know, he's a big body. If you're not going to be hugging that three-point line out there, you better tag him. Yeah. And it was kind of half-assed. Yeah. And and the thing is about Luca is he's brilliant, and so when it's shown to him, he knows. Mm. He knows. And I think he will make those adjustments because he he, it's astonishing that the way that Chris Paul orchestrates a game, Luca can do that too at the age he's at. Mm. All of this bodes well for the future. Did you happen to read the article in the Athletic today? I think of Phoenix. I don't even know the writer. But he wrote an article about Chris Paul uh, and how he was preparing for this moment at the age of 27. Mm-mm. It's really good. You should go back and read it. I'll send you a link it's to it. It's 10 years ago. I mean, oh, my God. Uh, no, it's a current. Oh, oh, no, no. I see. That, that he was 27 it, years old. It I reminded mean... me of Dirk. Yeah. You know, Dirk, everyone always we always talk about, well, Dirk doesn't ever eat sugar. Like, well, Dirk started doing that at the age of 27. And so the point of the article is that at the age of 27, Chris Paul was working with Rick Brunson in the summers. And a junior in high school, Jalen, was tagging along. And so Jalen got to see what Chris Paul did in the summer. And he was talking about he was changing his diet, all the things he was working on, to be in the position he's in now. Because if you're going to play when you're 37, you got to do that in your mid-20s. I'm not taking shots at James Harden. James Harden will not be in the league at the age of 37 doing incredible stuff. His mm. body won't hold up because he parties. And that's cool. That's look his look at what choice. he's doing right now. Yeah. Like, he's... I'm at a real tough go, (laughs) to be polite. And, and, dude, I partied. Like, I'm not judging James Harden. You have choices to make. But if you want to play at 37, you can't be partying at 27. You've got to change your body and do all those things earlier. Chris Paul made those sacrifices. And despite the injuries he's had, he's still an elite player at the age of 37 because of the way he's been preparing his whole life. The things he works on, he would spend his whole summer working. And so Luca. Every year, Luca comes back with something different. Doesn't that remind you of Dirk? Yep. Uh, Jalen has seen this firsthand. These, these things, both Jalen and Luca are not supposed to be winning championships right now. Mm. They're supposed to be working towards that. So it's disappointing that they're down 0-2. I just want them to win game three and make it a series. Be competitive. Squeeze the most out of it. I want them to win. I'm not saying that. But we've seen the numbers. What is it, 93 percentile? Uh, if, you went, if you go up 2-0, oh, you Oh, man. Well,
0: yeah. And, and also number one seeds, I think, have only lost two or three times before the conference finals, and the Mavs, unfortunately, were one of them. I mean, we're yeah. talking, like, you're, you're like 99%. Yeah.
1: You know, it's, it's bad. So the numbers are against you. What can you get out of this for next year? What can you get out of this for the year after that? Because I think once you have Luka, you have this incredible window. you got to put the right pieces around him, but I think we're also learning who those pieces are now. I see pieces on this team that I think will be here when we win a championship. And so, philosophically, I'm okay with this. Emotionally, I'm not okay with this. Yep. And I think I just have to divide those two things.
0: One, to, to go a little further on Chris Paul, when Chris Paul was Luka's age, mm-hmm. he beat the Mavs in 2008. It was his first ever playoff series win. Oh, Tyson He'd been in Chandler league. had so many downs. Yeah, and Peja, who would go on to play for the Mavs. Like, yep. it was basically the 2011 Mavs. Mm-hmm. David West, you know, bullied Dirk or, or bullied Dirk, whatever, uh, right. however you want to frame that thing. Um, and then it was 14 years of failure for Chris Paul, and now he's 37 mm-hmm. and looking like he might be about to win a championship. Of course, he might not even beat the Mavs. The series isn't over yet. Right. But, you know, it's it's very difficult to win a championship. Chris Paul now looks like a complete player. 14 years ago, that was not the case. He couldn't hit those threes. No, no, no. And he could hit the mid-range a little yep. bit. He was maybe a little more athletic. Yep. A little more, I think, intimidating defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, really had some some tough plays against J.J. Barea in that series. Uh, kind of took J.J. Out of, the, out of the series altogether. It was yeah. very tough to watch. Um, but, you know, it took him 14 years. 13, mm-hmm. 14 years. You know, he had great seasons with the Clippers, and they would blow 3-1 leads all the time. So, you know, everyone's
1: path is different. Can I take you full circle on this? Yeah. So, Chris Paul handpicked Phoenix, all right? He was still on that contract. Oklahoma City wanted to move him because they were tanking, and Sam Presti's always been great about moving players that want to go and working with them. He's very smart about that. He knows that Oklahoma City's not some big free agent draw, so he works with players. He's partners with those players. So, uh, all right, Chris, where do you want to go? You kind of ruined us last year because you're so good we made the playoffs while <laughs> tanking. Um, so, remember that? Oklahoma City, Yeah, dude, they? They ended up the four seed, I think. Weren't they number one in clutch? By far. Yeah. By far. Okay, with Chris Paul and some dudes. Yeah. It was like, uh, who was the biggest veteran? It like Steven Adams and uh, uh, the dude who's in Atlanta now. And Andre Roberson? No, the six 6'8". Uh, Danilo Gallinari. Thank you, Gallinari. Yeah. That's the name I couldn't come up yeah. with. Yep. I mean, that was that was their team, and, and Chris Paul doing Chris Paul stuff. And so he handpicked, I want to go to Phoenix. Do you remember in 2008, there was a veteran point guard who had not won a championship, and he engineered his way to the place where he thought, this is my last chance to win a championship. And it was Jason Kidd, and now he's coaching against Chris Paul. And it was he had been to the finals, but he didn't get it done. Clear-cut Hall of Famer. He engineered his way to Dallas. He handpicked Dallas. That's going to be where I'm going to go win my championship. Now, there was the whole Laker thing that didn't happen, right, with Andrew yep. Bynum and all that. But anyways, my point is that that is so reminiscent of what Chris Paul is doing late in his career. Give me Devin Booker. Give me DeAndre and I can go win with those guys. And they did it. And they're in the mix. And I think they're the favorites to win a championship. Uh, if Milwaukee were fully healthy, I would probably put my money on Milwaukee. Um and who knows, you know, it's like the whole Philly situation. I mean, that's, that's not coming back. So I think it's, I think you have to say Phoenix is the favorite to win a championship this year. And that's who the Mavericks are in the middle of fighting against right now. And so it's going to reveal so much about their mentality and how they feel about themselves, how they come out tomorrow night at the or Friday night at the American Airlines Center. Because they better not come out like they came out in game one and game two. Yeah, no. Spotting them nine points, unwise. Oh, unwise. I'm, I
0: disagree with that plan. Yeah. I disagree <laughs> yeah. with that strategy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they got to mix it up a little bit. I think, you know, you're right on the no matter what happens, you can take something from this. Mm-hmm. I think that Luka already has enough ammo to fuel him through the summer. Right. I think Jalen Brunson does too, averaging 30 a game against Utah, and then... Two games really struggling on is both ends of the floor. Eleven right now, eleven a game. Uh, I think maybe even nine okay. against. Yeah, and I mean that many fouls too. Yeah, you know, um, and you know the Mavs bigs have really struggled with Aiton, and that's something that you can't necessarily change. But philosophically speaking, maybe I don't know. We'll see. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's like that the Mavs suck. No, you no. Know, I think that's the that's the the at the crux of this. We are seeing the gap between the Mavs and the Suns. Yeah. Um, not because the Mavs are bad, but because the Suns are good. Like the Suns the, are the best team. The same team Mavs team yeah. just, like, should have beat Utah in five games. Took right. them six games to do it, but they did it without Luka for right. two of those wins, three of those games. Um, who knows? Maybe it would have been a sweep if Luka never would have strained his calf, and everything would be different. But, you know, the Mavs are very clearly very good. Mm-hmm. They're a legitimately good team. Um, Perfect? No, by no means. Right. Uh, flawed? Extremely. Mm-hmm. Extra- ex-
1: very, very. They need two or three more guys that can play. Didn't and Nico pretty much said that the day of the press conference after the Porzingis trade. Yeah. You know he was acknowledging, oh, we still have a ways to go. Yeah. And I think you know, if you were to give them truth serum, I think that the Porzingis trade worked out more than they possibly could oh, yeah, have imagined. Dude. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think that they made that trade for next summer, quite frankly. Yeah. But now they're going, oh, these guys are usable players for us. You know, they're a part of our... Which, depending on their plans, could be even better. Yes. <laughs> you know, right. if,
0: uh, if, if they want to keep these guys or not. But, you know, I think the, the important lesson to learn is, you know, what is Phoenix really good at? And you can't necessarily... It's like whenever the Warriors were first becoming good mm-hmm. and every team was like, man, we got to be
1: the next to them. Um, they were so good they know. they were so good they hadn't won a championship yet they were so good we panicked and traded for rondo
0: yeah because of them they came you in know. on a
1: saturday and kicked our ass all up and down the court and we traded for rondo two days later
0: yeah the kings tried to model their entire franchise they hired an old warriors coach they drafted the guy that they called clay thompson they drafted Aaron fox to be Steph court sort of because they're so similar as players you know i don't know they traded for harrison barnes yeah. you know you have teams trying to copy the warriors okay now the Warriors are kind of old news, even though they might win the championship They could this win year. the championship. Yeah, they're looking really good. Sorry I anointed Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Steph is pissed off now that he heard you say that. Sorry, but, Steph. Um, you can't really model yourself after Phoenix because there's only one Chris Paul, right? There's right. only one point guard. Devin Booker is unfairly good. Otherworld. Uh, yeah, and, and that's the thing when watching them is that you know, they have this point guard that knows everything. They have the shooting guard that can hit it from anywhere. Mm -hmm. They got a big that's athletic that you can't play off the floor, unlike almost any other center in basketball. You can just play them off the floor in the playoffs. Can't do that with Aiton unless he gets in foul trouble. And then they have maybe the best perimeter defender in the NBA who's like 22 or 23 years old or something. something else, man. Like, they're not going anywhere. You Mm -hmm. cannot build that team. Like, you have to get extremely lucky to build that team. Or fast forward 15 years to when Luke is an old sage like Chris Paul is. You can't imitate that. But you can, by playing against them, by these guys being on the floor against them, and from an evaluation standpoint, seeing your guys play against them, understand that Phoenix is probably going to be the best team again next year and maybe even the year after that. So what are they really good at? Where do we struggle uh, in comparison to that? And how can we shore up those weaknesses? I don't necessarily want you to try and rebuild Phoenix, and I don't want you to build a team trying to beat Phoenix specifically because Mm -hmm. there are other good teams too. But it is good, whether the Mavs get smoked or whether they win in six – it is good to see how
1: they stack up with the best. Yeah. You know, the biggest problem or worry that I have about Phoenix is I don't think Chris Paul is going to be in the league in two years. But by that time, he's taught Devin Booker. Everything Devin Booker oh, yeah. needs to know to be a top three player in the league. And you've got to contend with that. Here, there's something about team building, too, that uh, people need to understand. And I'm responding to criticism of the Mavericks that I see. And I just want to put this in perspective. So let's talk about Phoenix and replicating Phoenix, okay? So Phoenix got Devin Booker at the back end of the lottery. He was the youngest player in the NBA ever at the time, right? Uh, at least yeah, I think he might have even been 17 still. So yeah, he was, he was crazy a, he was young and I don't believe he Absurd that he got drafted that low, by the way. And he so. didn't start the majority of those games at Kentucky. He came no, off, came the, off bench. the bench. Yeah. Okay. For future Mav great Aaron Harrison. Right. Okay, so I just okay, so you get him and then uh, you have also some uh lottery whiffs. They haven't they had a number four pick in the draft that ain't on their team right now, right? Uh Jackson out of Kansas. Yeah, and Yeah, and, and Bender. So uh, you know, when and then they had the number one pick in the draft and they got DeAndre Ayton, and then Chris Paul chose that destination. And we were,
0: not we specifically, but we collectively were clowning on them for not taking Luca. Right. You know,
1: number Don't four. forget. Even Aiton looked like a like an iffy pick. Yeah. So I w- I want to say that. That's an extraordinary situation. But they had all these lottery picks to work with. How many lottery picks have the Mavericks had in the last 15 years? Uh, I believe the answer is two. That is the answer. They picked Dennis Smith Jr. with the ninth pick in the draft, Mm. and then the next year they got Luka. And then in order to get Luka, because they knew Luka was a franchise-changing player, they traded away future picks to do it. So if we're talking about team building – teams have multiple lottery picks to work with. Phoenix had, if go back and look at how many lottery picks they've had in the last seven years since they even drafted Devin Booker. It's three times as many as the Dallas Mavericks have had. And so my whole point is people go, why haven't the Mavericks built a better team around Luka? Dude, the second you got Luka, your, your lottery dreams were over. Mm. He's too good. He immediately, now they had the year, they, they did trade future picks in order to get Porzingis and we can debate how that did or didn't work out. But they traded one of their current lottery picks on their roster to do it in Dennis Smith Jr. My point about team building is in order to team build, you have to have assets, right? And the Mavericks didn't have all these lottery assets to do it. So building around Luka is way different than building around the other team. People I hear people bitch about. Who their ass is sitting at home on a couch, Trey Young. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go look at yeah. all the lottery picks the Atlanta Hawks had. Now, I want to say that they made great decisions with those picks, and that's part of it. They should be commended. But when you look at b- team building, Luca, the whole part of team building, you got a generational player. That's the hardest thing to do. And because you got a generational player, you removed yourself from lottery talk.
0: Yeah, and kind of the lucky thing with Booker is that they got him in 2015. You
1: know how many games he sat? while Oh, they, they were shutting him down, and people they made shut it, they, him they, down. he was a
0: meme. They were the Suns were a meme because he just never played in March, even. You right. Know? Like he would he would
1: play his last game like on Valentine's Day. Go back and look at the conversation about his 71 point game. Yeah, it was a joke. Yeah, it was this tanking team just fed this kid and like this did not even a real, you know, yeah, whatever. I'm, and hindsight, bias allows you to see,
0: well, okay, so during all those times whenever they were really bad, it allowed him to just kind of season himself and gain all this experience and learn the trade and become a very polished scorer, which is true. Right. If Devin Booker was, like, 20 years old, I don't think Phoenix is Phoenix. Like, Phoenix is Phoenix right now because of Chris Paul, but also because Booker is legit. Like, he knows how to play. He knows how to play. And they were so bad for so long that he re- he had to learn how to play because there was nothing else to do. They had right. nothing else going for him. They... they Whiffed on all these other guys, and then in the same draft, you know, Phoenix got they got. uh, It takes luck to get really good, right? Same draft, they get eight number one, and then they have I think the twelfth pick. Mm -hmm. They trade up with Philly. What did they trade? Zaire
1: Smith. Yep. For Mikhail Bridges. That and Mikhail Bridges' mom, didn't she work in Philadelphia the sixers? Yeah. And he played at Villanova. Yeah. What now that that is frustrating stuff. Yeah. Right? And look, I'm not trying to sit here and say the Mavericks haven't made any front office decisions that are bad. They've made their share. Oh, including including in the draft. Yes. You know, especially in the draft. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not absolving them, but I'm saying when you're talking about team building. If you have, like, seven or six lottery picks over a six- or seven-year period, you've got a better chance of building a great team than if you have two over a 15-year period.
0: Yeah, and when you have all those guys on rookie deals, like right now, Aiton and Bridges on a rookie deal. Mm -hmm. Now, they won't be for long. They they will be for another month or so, so enjoy it while you can. But because you have all these guys on deals, you're able to go out and sign Jay Crowder to a free agent contract that's fatter than anyone else can offer. Uh, You can take Chris Paul and trade because you're not already over the luxury tax. Uh, they drafted Cam Johnson, who everyone laughed at them because he was great. like this 23-year-old rookie that was projected to go in the 20s. Right. That they took at like number 10 or number 11 overall. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, he's a great player. They're about to have to pay him, but he's a great player for them. Mm-hmm. And you know, whenever you do that, and then around the edges, you luck into campaign who was playing for the Legends, legends and the I know. Got Trey Burke instead of him, yeah. and then you signed JaVale McGee for the minimum, JaVale's been awesome, Bismack Biombo is a great find by them, like, they've done it in all these ways, so Please you,
1: understand, he, I'm giving props to Oh, Phoenix. absolutely, absolutely. That's yeah. great team yeah.
0: building. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Um, but you can't, you can't really, just like the Warriors getting Steph, Clay, Draymond three drafts in a row, like, you can't just do that, like, right. one team per 10 years builds a juggernaut, you know, that way. Um, and it's probably not going to be the Mavs' turn to do that until Luca doesn't play here anymore, yeah. you know, because they're not going to be the lottery again. So they're going to have to hit on late picks, which we'll talk about the draft at some point, but not anytime soon. Right. Even though the draft is only, like, six weeks away. Is that right? Yeah, we were talking about it earlier because we're going to do some sort of draft show, and I was like, oh, God, it's June 23rd. <laughs> like, being in the second round means your season goes on late. Like, yeah. we got We got a plan. But uh, anyway, you can either nail a bunch of picks in the 20s mm-hmm. or you can, you know, try and sign guys. I guess Reggie Bullock, for example, really good mid-level exception player. Or you can make trades um, for KP, Tim Hardaway, you know, and then trade KP for Denwitty, whatever. Like every team is built differently. But anyway, uh, masterful job by Phoenix. The, the point of that whole thing was like you can't just say, yeah, let's do that, you
1: know, because you got to get a little lucky. You also got to be really, really good. Yeah. You know. And, and, you know, for what the Mavericks need, I mean, it's great that Jalen Brunson has developed the way that he's developed because they need more guys that can attack and create offense. They absolutely need that. They need to add to their big rotation. We know that. Uh, and they're going to have to get creative doing that, uh, making the right smi- – like I would contend for all the talk about the Porzingis trade, I would contend that the season really changed for the identity of this team – when Tim Hardaway Jr. got hurt and Reggie Bullock went into the starting lineup, because it shows, you know, their identity became very much a Luka and defense identity. And having Dorian and Reggie play the style of defense that they play has been huge for the growth of this team. I'm looking forward to uh, next year bringing Spencer Dinwiddie and Tim Hardaway Jr. off the bench. They are going to punish second units. Um, that's, that's an incredible backcourt to bring off the bench. So, uh, let's not forget that the, the person that the Mavericks thought would be their third best player this year. Hasn't really played in Tim Hardaway Jr. He because really of the injury. minutes right now too,
0: man. Oh I mean, my they just, God. they need, not only do they need offense, but they just need bodies. Yes. You know, and he's like one of the best athletes on the team. Yes. You know? And he
1: can fill it up. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this is a team that ha- I think, you know, as you look at this team, you forget they're going to get Tim Hardaway Jr. Back next year. That's going to be a huge addition. That's going to give them depth. Josh Green has to continue to develop. Uh, he had a really great game in the Utah series. You know, he's really struggled in this series. Hasn't taken a shot through two games. And he passed wide-open yeah. shots. Yeah. yeah. Um, but all of that is part of the growth. I mean, I think... That's a jo- good
0: experience for him. I mean, yeah. he did not play against the Clippers last year. I don't, I, he, might, he was DNP'd, I think, in six games in that series.
1: And uh, that was a tough year, man. It was like uh, he showed up late. And uh, you know Rick didn't play him much, and there's no summer league, and that's a tough rookie year, right? Mm. So, uh, so really, in a lot of ways, this was his rookie year. I mean, you can't say that, but this was a more uh, this was his first real experience kind of year. And you know, he's shown flashes, but he's got to become a part of the rotation. You know, when next year you want he want you want him playing in every game and contributing in every game in some way. Yeah. So uh, you know. This team has a ways to go. They have roster decisions that uh, are, when you, in this series, they're becoming glaring because you're playing the best team in the NBA. Yeah. And their margin for error is small, and they have had way too many mental lapses in the first two games to expect to be. I'm astonished that uh, they fell apart in the manner they did after being so good in the second and third quarter, could have, you know. That the Phoenix really got their momentum back in that third quarter, especially the last four minutes or it so. It unravels
0: so quickly against
1: them. Yeah. I mean, it's
0: like it's unfair watching them. They're so good. They're they're, they're they're that good. I mean, it's it's not even fun. What it is very fun. It's not fun when it happens to you. No. You know what I mean? I
1: enjoyed watching Phoenix play other teams this year. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Just like I enjoyed whenever the Warriors went in seventy games. I loved watching them. Yeah, you know, sixty-eight nights a year seventy-eight but nights a year. Whatever.
1: This is why uh, you know, there's so much talk about, oh my God, why was Luca playing in a meaningless game? It wasn't a meaningless game. They were hoping that Golden State lost. They wanted to be the three seed. Yeah. You know, if not, they would have sat a lot of guys. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is like that whole conversation, that's not based on fluke injuries because if you look at the odds, most players don't get hurt in most games that they play in. If we're playing the percentages, for the Mavericks, that whole conversation was about rest. And the Mavericks knew they weren't going to play until Saturday. That's five days off. They weren't thinking about fluke injuries. Mm. You don't go play pro sports thinking about fluke injuries. You don't because the, the odds tell you you're not going to have an injury. Those guys play 82 games a year, and in the vast majority of those games, they don't get hurt. Yep. So that's not what that was about. That was about let's try and win this game and maybe Golden State. Oh, but what about at halftime? Well, they're already playing. Mm-hmm. you know so and it was two minutes till the end of the quarter just a freak accident It was a freak accident. honestly and I'm luckily it did not cost them anything
0: because right. that would have been a huge bummer but I mean, now
1: we're all saying why yes let's get the three seat if yeah, we can get the three yeah, seat. you want to climb as high as possible yes. there's
0: a reason there's a reason yes for that. uh so one thing you mentioned was that they they have to get better at big and again this is kind of better for offseason but I think it's it's pertinent and relevant right now because DeAndre Ayton is a problem McGee is a problem and they did just go up against Rudy Gobert mm-hmm. and Rudy Gobert is you know The best big man defender in the NBA, anybody that says otherwise is lying to you or just uninformed. Like, that guy is a a generational talent. Three-time defensive player of the year. And should have probably, just like LeBron, should not just be three-time. Probably should be four or five-time, to be honest. But there are, depending on who's around this guy, there are certain bigs that just have a hard time being on the floor in the playoffs. Um, I don't think it's Gobert's fault that he has been made fun of so often because people just whatever Utah does not have the perimeter horses right. to, to you know allow him to stay at the perimeter or at the basket. Uh, they get cooked too often so he's got to be flying all over the place but there, there are a lot of other bigs. Uh, Stephen Adams from Memphis mm-hmm. number two seed can't play. Uh, you know Jokic against the Nuggets or against the Warriors I mean the, the Warriors were playing small and he just could not punish them for it. They were head hunting you know? him. Yeah it's really really hard to be a big in the in the playoffs and so Part of me thinks, yes, Ayton is 22 or 23 years old. He's going to be in Phoenix for the next five years. you got to find a guy that's better than him if you want to go to the finals. The other part of me thinks, do you really need to pour all these resources into upgrading at center if 28 other teams are not playing? I guess like Bam is going to play, but like 27, 26 other teams, even the good ones, even the ones in the playoffs – are going to bench theirs in the Mm -hmm. postseason. It's kind of one of those things is like, would you rather just have the bullpen guys, Dwight, Maxie, Boban, Willie Cauley-Stein, like Marquise Chris, like would you rather just stick with those and not have to pay them a a bajillion dollars? Or are you trying to go, we had the same conversation last year with Andre Drummond, Mm -hmm. try and find one of those guys that's going to gobble up 15 rebounds, but at what cost?
1: Yeah, uh, and then that, that's where it all comes down to uh, your cap management and what you can afford to have a very useful big on your roster like that. Um, like with Utah, even with you know, so everyone's like, well, he gets played out every year. That depends on the matchup, like the Clippers the year before, and we obviously, uh, you know, had our way with Rudy at times uh, during that season. Only when Donovan and Conley and Clarkson
0: were not holding their own. Yeah. You know? Yeah, we've never seen Gobert on an elite, elite defensive team except for
1: that one year in Utah when they had Jay Crowder, right, who's now on the Suns. I mean, if Rudy had do- Dorian and Reggie out in front of him, you know, that's that's probably a different scenario. If Rudy him. was on Phoenix, I don't think he would be a problem. No, you know, and I think also Chris Paul would throw him the kind of passes where his questionable hands would do nothing but flush them. Yeah, uh, I mean, you look at some of those. I mean, there's all this talk about they don't uh, pass to Rudy. When they do pass to him, they're firing these rockets from seventeen <laughs> yeah, feet. Yeah. Like you know, uh, a lot of passes are harder than they look. Yeah. yeah, I will say that. And if you look at, and that's why you know, another great thing about having Luca, the style of pick and roll that he plays, he puts that ball in the perfect, easy look. Like the times where he plays with Boban, he goes to him every single yep. time. Yep. He's like, I'm going to maneuver, and he does it methodically, and it's like a seven foot, seven feet away from him and putting it in a place where no one can get to. So, you know, sometimes that style of big needs the right style of player, you know, passing him the ball. So, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think that they have to have someone on their roster that isn't such a mismatch for the DeAndre Aytons. And then you start thinking about conference, like, well, Joel Embiid rolling and play him twice a year. Mm. And, uh, but you also – I don't know that you can have – you know, $90 million committed to that big. That's a whole different conversation. Well, then you
0: get in the conversation of zigging versus zagging. If you go all in on the find the big guy, then when the Clippers play small, you're going to struggle. Yeah. If you go all in on small ball and you're rolling out, you know, Dorian or Robert Covington or P.J. Tucker or whoever the Rockets are playing, uh, you know, Marcus Morris as your
1: starting five, then you're going to struggle if you go up against (laughs) the Embiid's of the world. You know what this conversation really is, though, to me? It's it's about they got to have more depth and more talented depth on their on their roster, and that's not taking shots anybody, but they play seven guys, maybe eight guys in the playoffs, Mm. and so that's an indication that you're not there. And so my my whole point on this that I want to bring up is Golden State, and everyone always talked about the lineup of death and their small lineup. Well, they also had Andrew Bogut when they needed him, and then now they have you know he's not playing now, but they they they're keeping Wiseman, and so Golden is he ever going to play again? By the way, what's the deal? No, but but they also have looney uh my my whole point being is that they've got it all Mm. and so the idea is that you don't want to be a small team that has a bad matchup or a a team centered around this big you want to have all of it and be able to play any style of basketball that's necessary because even the clippers they can they got Zubots, right if they want they can have a big guy out there the point is that they're flexible enough to do all of those things the mavericks aren't there with their depth yet uh, so I think they need another big body to where they don't have to be forced into playing a certain way just to win. Mm. Like, like the Milwaukee Bucks can take Lopez off the floor if they want to, or they can put him back out there. It also helps that he can bomb threes. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that you just want to have a more flexible roster that you can play any style of ball well. If I think you want to be the, the one dictating the terms.
0: One of the unfortunate things about game two is that Finney got in foul trouble so early in the game that they could not – really risk going small until the game is basically already over. I mean, in the fourth quarter. But DeAndre
1: Ayton had his foul trouble and, you know. Yeah,
0: and so that's the thing. Like, you know, I wonder now if Phoenix is amazing. I bet Jay Crowder can probably play small ball five or they have someone who can. Bridges, one of these guys. But if you go small and Phoenix can't hang with you, then can you make them adjust? Mm -hmm. And you have basically one game. If you go down 3-0, it's over. Well, okay, okay. But you have
1: one game to try. Well, let's, uh, you know, again, rotations change. Uh, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, uh, Jay Crowder, Mikael Bridges, and Johnson. That's a good small ball lineup.
0: Yeah. And I guess at that point, if you're going up against a team that has Finney at the five, it's all nominal. Yeah. Right? It doesn't matter. Right. It seems like Phoenix does have the horses to do that. Now, yeah. beyond those five, you know, a lot of their key guys like Ayton, McGee, Bianca. Okay. No, they're not going to play Landry Shamit. I guess maybe, but they, they have not been giving him a lot of minutes in these games. Right. Kind of a defensive liability. And if he's not hitting shots, he's not doing much. And then campaign who, when push comes to shove, is going to be on the bench, you know, because he,
1: I don't think you can have two little bitty guys.
0: Yeah. And yeah. I, you know,
1: Chris Paul is kind of a deceptive, a little bitty guy. Yeah. Uh, but campaign a little bitty. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't so, know you can have two little bitty guys,
0: you know, even a team as complete as Phoenix, as seemingly complete as Phoenix, they got five guys that could play like super small ball, mm-hmm. you know, and now Ayton held his own against Giannis. Uh, Giannis had to score 50 for them to lose, you know, for the Suns to lose. Um, but I think that is something that you know, if if the Mavs can force, if the Mavs can force them to bench Aiton or uh, get him in foul trouble again, but just not have Jalen and Finney Smith both sitting on the bench in foul trouble too, yeah, then maybe there's something.
1: Foul you know. trouble is is played way too key because the other thing about foul trouble is it just takes you out of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm not saying literally Especially as Jalen trying to get it going. Yeah, I'm talking about you know. Uh, with your mojo. It takes you out of the game to sit for so long. I couldn't... That's what was astonishing about the second quarter. The Mavs got away without playing... Did Dorian play in the second Zero quarter? minutes play. Yeah. Uh, that was amazing to me that they had a lead at halftime. Was it a one-point lead? I can't remember. Uh,
0: something like maybe two.
1: Yeah. That was amazing to me that they survived that. Jalen Brunson and Dorian Finney-Smith with terrible foul trouble. And... Uh, that's why the third was so disappointing. The, the, the back half of the third was so disappointing. And then we know what happened in the fourth. Mm. So I think it's a, I think it still has a really good chance of being a competitive series. It all is going to depend on really the first six minutes of of Friday night. Mm. Well, what
0: we've seen is, you know, game one, the game was kind of over after the first five minutes. Mm -hmm. Game two, the game was kind of over after like the last five minutes. You basically cannot slip up against Phoenix. You no. can have like two or three bad minutes at one point. Mm-hmm. You can go down 9-0, and as long as you battle back, you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. The Mavs were winning last night for a large portion of the game Yeah, uh, in the middle quarters. You can't have eight bad minutes against Phoenix, and you damn sure can't have eight straight bad minutes against Phoenix because they're not just going to go on like a 10-0 run. They're going to go on like a 25-2 to run. Yeah. They're going to annihilate you, especially if they're at home. Now, I think it's harder. you've got to do the old adage of 48 minutes. I know that's cliche, but you you have to play great for 48 minutes to give yourself a chance.
1: I think the other thing, I think it happened at the beginning of game one, and I think it happened at the end of the third quarter of game two and then going into the fourth quarter. They got their building going, and, you know, that's not going to happen in game three. You know, the AAC is going to be rowdy and all those things. Uh, but that's where you really get the avalanche happening is when it happens on the road. Mm-hmm. There's, we don't have enough experience to withstand that. That's why having game one at home is so good. It's so
0: good. All right, so we're going to be wrapping up here. Is there any, uh, any final takes, any final thoughts that you have? I know we're going to win or lose, okay? Mm-hmm. If the season ends on Sunday, it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll still be back at some point here soon. Yeah. Uh, but if this, as this thing keeps rolling, hopefully we're back in recording mode yep. dude, now that you're, you're back and ready I'm, to go. I'm
1: so excited we're going to do another numbers on the boards next week. Dude we all, we have very to Very
0: exciting we have to
1: i've been away far too long we owe the people
0: like 30 episodes what are you doing tomorrow you yeah. want to record again right after the game what uh, are you doing on saturday you want to wake up bright and early record yeah, sunday yeah, 2:30 right, tip right. off we can do it at like 5:30 right after th- you're not doing the post game i know i know where you be i
1: know okay. where you live you know where to find me yeah uh
0: we'll be back we'll be back soon yeah uh any 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 final things any any, any last thing you want no, to talk about no i would
1: say me? uh it, you know i get it i get i get down when you're getting your they got their ass kicked last night fourth quarter's terrible it's a very humbling game it's a humbling game um, but I would just say, let me look directly at the camera. I would just say, make sure to savor what's going on because this is laying the foundation for the championship years. You have a generational talent at a very young age. He hasn't even played a game under his new contract yet. Times are good. Let's, let's really be philosophical about this. You, know, you can throw something at the TV. If it you know, just don't hit the TV, they're expensive. Uh, but th- th- these are good times. We went a decade without winning a series. So these are good times. Savor these good moments. Look, you know, Really think about, all right, what are we building here? Because they are building something. And then I think uh, just enjoy this as opposed to getting frustrated by playing uh, the best team in the NBA right now. Dirk lost
0: to the Kings and the Spurs two times each before finally ousting them all and making it to the finals in 2006. Sometimes you've got to lose to really good teams in order to get better.
1: It's very normal. Yeah. The Kobe dynamic is not normal. Yeah. That's that's abnormal. It's yeah. more like what's happening here.
0: Now if Luka could play with Shaq, mm-hmm. I feel like they'd be pretty good. I feel like that would be a, a pretty solid team. Right. I think regardless of era. Yeah. But uh, alas, Boban is not quite Shaq. Um, All right, Skin, good to have you back, man. Blow me up, dog. Dude, this was so awesome. So awesome. This is so awesome. By the way, episode 100, we did it. We We did it. We reached a milestone. Century mark. It only took five years to do it, but (laughs) (laughs) we made it. We made it. So here's to the next 900 episodes of Numbers on the Boards. Uh, Thank you for listening, Skin. Thank you for doing a chopper. Thank you for punching in the back. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching on YouTube. Uh, Leave a comment. Tell Skin how much you love him. I know I will as soon as this video drops. And we will see you next time on Numbers on the Boards.
1: See ya.